We all have questions in which we desire to grow and develop. Are you looking to grow in a certain area of your life? Well, let's talk about it. Welcome to Let's Talk About It. In today's session, we learn nine basic features that will help us understand the Bible more as we read it. Let's dive in. Okay, so we are in session two of how to read our Bible. So, uh, Fripp, Mm -hmm. what did you like most about last week? Uh, Just off the top of your head. Learning that, like, I could take that journey (laughs) across the river. (laughs) So, like, I was just thinking about, like, it's okay to, like, read the Bible apply it to their time and then recognize that you can still find a way to apply it to your time too and you gave me those steps and I listened to this again to write the different areas down didn't write them down but (laughs) (laughs) off the top of my head I just I do appreciate remembering that the bible is written for their context and there's still ways that I can apply it to my context so Right and we have an additional guest today, my favorite person in the world. What's up, boo? Hello, hello. <laughs> I thought you were going to do the song. <laughs> I literally have nothing to offer. Yes, you do. Whatever. Hey, so we're just going to get right into it. Um, obviously, I want you guys uh, hearing your piece, but... So I want to do like a little intro, so I want, I want both of you guys to participate, participate with this. We're all foodies. Mm-hmm. We all love food, right? Mm-hmm. So if someone were to invite you guys over like to a place like to get something to eat or whatever, right? What would you have in your head in terms of them preparing like a meal for you? Like what do you have in your head? What is the ethnic background? <laughs> <laughs> I was, and I was wondering, are we at their house or are they uh, taking us out to eat? We're being invited to the house. You choose. Mm. Let's just, so let's just say they're Hispanic family. Oh, Mexican food. All right. Yeah, all day. Uh, I was thinking, like, I want some pupusas. So, so, all right, so yeah. Salvadorian food. So Salvadorian food. Okay. I'm waiting to see what they have here in Clarksville. There is a really great. I said, there's a great pupusa spot. Really? Okay, I need to know about this. So pupusas okay. for you. You said Mexican food for you. Yeah. All right. So you have a certain anticipation, basically, that builds up when you go to this restaurant or when you're going to this family household, right? Yeah. So imagine you get there and they give you baby food. <laughs> I tell them I'm fasting. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. But how would you feel though? Um, I would feel bamboozled, but I would eat it just because. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know how to say it. I don't know how to say no. So like food, like oh they they really tried. So you say yeah, it's just like you don't want it like a fan. Yeah, I don't, like I don't, that. I don't. If they, I mean, I know they didn't prepare it because it's literally in the jars. Yeah. That's what I'm imagining, but um. I probably still would just eat it because right. they invited me over. I graduated from baby food a long time ago. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so when we wanted uh, pizza this past weekend, my heart is still set. <laughs> yeah. I think I adjust quickly. I was like, oh, can we about to eat this Mexican food? All right. But so I just. So what are you most looking forward to with the Mexican food? Like just in your head? Like what would the be. The flavor, like, the warmth. What specific stuff? dish? Oh, there's definitely rice in there. I'm gonna say rice. Some yeah. rice, some chicken. All right, some all right, some chicken. Beans, some menudo. Okay. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and then for pupusas, like, what do you think? Like, what type of pupusas? Ah, uh, 
<laughs> I just want a lot of cheese. Okay. You like cheese. <laughs> I like cheese. I like cheese. I like and then not even that. Like I just I like beans. I like guacamole. Right. I like I like rice. Okay. Um Man, I like salsa. Okay. It's just so random. <laughs> no, it's <yeah. laughs> random so foods. You guys brought up great points. So imagine this. When you think about it, approaching the Bible is the same. Okay? There's stuff there, there's there's richness to it, right? Yeah. There's the, the guacamole of it, the stuff that excites you. There's the salsa, there's the rice, right? Mm-hmm. There's the meat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Other terms, other times though, when you get to a text and it just feels so meh. It feels like it's baby food. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with the Bible. Sometimes when we approach it and we feel like it's baby food, mm-hmm. it's really just our lack of understanding to extract the meat. Uh-huh. So like when you think about it, baby food is still purposeful, mm-hmm. right? There's a time for it, but it's great for babies, mm-hmm. okay? So then the question becomes, when we approach the scripture and we find ourselves in the moment of like, man, this feels so, eh, it's not really sustaining, right? It's, there's nothing wrong with, we talked about this last week, there's nothing wrong with God's word, yeah. right? Like, it's already done. But the question becomes, how do I have the tools to extract the meat, the rice, the chicken, the guac, the salsa, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So there is a couple more things that we do to dive into. It says if you move straight from your initial reading of a passage to the application of that passage, you remain tied to your previous understanding of that text. Mm. So think about how many times we've read a text or we've heard it and we just go, ah, I know that we move on. Yes. That's the baby food approach. Mm-hmm. Right? So the question then becomes how do I reread something and get something else out of it? Okay. So we're just going to dive right in because there's several different things that you can do to it, but there's nine different things that basically that we could look for within scripture that will help us to extract more than just the baby food. And that's how we yeah. get to the Mexican food or the, the pupusas, right? Mm-hmm. So number one is repetition of words. Okay? So, perfect example, we'll use 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. Just hear the first couple of verses, and it'll stick out to you, right? Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Which word did you hear the most in that? Comfort. High five. High five. So, without even like going into the details of it, you already know that comfort is a huge theme in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Pastor Micah says all the time, like, pay attention to like how often words are used. Who's that? Um, who said, who's what? Pastor Micah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, he's yeah, our pastor. <laughs> Maybe that means we need to explain these people. <laughs> but, that's, but for real, that's a quick way. I mean, think about it. We, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It's easy to just read by that. Just like, okay, I have an idea of what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but to pay attention just in those two verses, I didn't even finish the rest of it. I'm not going to. But the fact that it, for, that it appears four times, yeah. it's already pushing and it's sticking out that you're going, oh, there is, there's a theme already of comfort. And then how is the comfort being used? Mm-hmm. So you're not just looking for the repetition of the words. You're also looking for how the word is being used in that. You know, um, where is comfort used? Here we go. As a verb or as a noun. So uh, when it says the God of, of all comfort, who comforts us? Comfort is the form and the, the place of where you want to be, right? 
But then he's also saying he also comforts us, meaning it's an action that he's doing. So it's not enough to just find the repetition of the same number of words. How is the word being used? Yeah. That brings it a whole different meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that I serve a God of comfort, it's a noun, but he also wants to comfort me. Mm-hmm. So that's just one thing. What are you thinking of right now as you say that? Oh, I was thinking about like the parts of speech. Nah. And then I was like, man, I wonder how, I wonder in what other places have I missed? Ha ha ha. Into the mic. <laughs> I wonder, because when I think, I think back. Um, yeah. I just wonder how many places in the Bible do we not pay attention to the parts of speech mm-hmm. when it comes to that word that's being repeated. So I just like that you were saying, like, comfort is the noun, but comfort can also be the action, mm-hmm. but the verb. Um, and it just goes back to something that we learned about in the internship at church, just learning about different words and, like, this is an adverb. Yeah. This, it's just interesting because I don't always read the Bible with that in mind. Yeah. I read for the message, which, like you just said, it was familiar. So God of comfort, correct. He comforts me. I comfort other people. Goodbye. Yeah. But I don't really place a lot of emphasis on what each word means, how it's applied, and, and how that can have greater meaning for me. Yeah, that's good. That makes sense. That's good. Anything for you, Boo? You good? Okay. All right. <laughs> so that's number one. Number one is repetition of words. Number two is contrast. So you look for items, ideas, or individuals that are contrasted with each other. So Proverbs fourteen thirty one: Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. So it's kind of like a this or that, yeah. right? Um, and actually, when you think about when you read through the book of Proverbs, this is also good to know. It's not just sometimes for that text. There are certain books that will do some of these more than others. Hmm. So, for example, the book of Proverbs has a lot of contrast, mm-hmm. right? So, you knowing that ahead of time, it kind of focuses your brain to extract something a little different or to approach it differently because you know that Proverbs will have a lot of contrast. And sometimes the contrast is what helps to bring out the different meaning. Yeah. You know? Um, another example, uh, the contrast of uh, Ephesians 5.8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Right, so there's a lot. It's kind of like the back and forth mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. Um, number three is comparisons. So contrast focuses on differences, but comparisons focuses on similarities. So you look for ideas of of items, ideas, or individuals that are compared with each other. Um, one of my favorite examples to use is um, marriage. Mm-hmm. So I got to do pastoral care um, the past couple of weeks. I met with two different guys, and they're having you know marital challenges. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, it's a lack of um, mutual submission. So Ephesians 5 talks about, we've heard this before, and you can talk to this. Um, how many times have you heard from the church say, ladies, submit to your husbands? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> what, are the, what is the first thoughts that like come to mind? Like when you've heard that, seriously. But I'm a slave to my husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why, though? For real. Um, that's just the part that's always get beaten into you is like, oh, you submit, you submit, um, and we pick and choose what we want to like talk about. Mm -hmm. So being that most of church is male dominant, Mm -hmm. I feel like, hey, we're going to use this because it works for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's stepping on too many toes there, but, um, 
it, it is, you know, like yeah. when you're in ministry, it is a very male dominant field. Yeah. So I do feel like that's just something that's kind of used like, oh, all women should submit to men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's even portrayed even outside of marriage, even like, hey, you need to submit to him because he's a man and he's an elder and uh-huh. he's this and he's that. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's good. What about yeah. you, Jess? Um. Me and one of my close friends uh, were talking about this last night, and just because she doesn't know, I won't say her name, but yeah. this is something that I will credit her for saying. She was like, oftentimes when we describe submission and men are the ones saying it, they tend to describe a slave. Mm-hmm. Like they tend to mm-hmm. describe like women should do these things, mm-hmm. but what you're describing them to do under submission sounds mm-hmm. like you own me. Yeah. Um, so it's really hard to, to buy into this idea of... Um, of submission in marriage when it's described as if the woman is powerless and brainless. Yeah, that's good. And has no emotion or feeling of her own. So, Julie, what you're saying is sometimes there's this um, there's this unintentional or intentional um, place from males where they they read it, they see it, and say, "Hey, women submit to the husbands, right?" And they also take that outside of the context of marriage. And then something that you're saying, Jess, is that they may not have a proper understanding of what submission means, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, both of you guys have something that's legit in that, right? Now, let me ask you guys before we move on. Is it true that wives are to submit to their husbands based off the scripture? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, we're going to dive into it then, right? Here's the rest of the part, going back to your point, Judy, of what sometimes the church does miss. Because the rest of the text says, husbands are to love your wives mm-hmm. as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. So let's unpack that. And I, know, and I know we know this, but this is a perfect example of comparison. How much did Christ love the church? Yeah. Like, for real, how much did he love it? Enough to die. Mm-hmm. Enough to die, right. Was the church worthy of dying for? Nah. No. No. <laughs> Yet, Christ died for the church anyways, right? Yeah. So, if it's saying husbands... Love your wives as Christ loves the church. That means the husband's love for the wife should be so big and heavy mm. that the wife should literally feel the love of Christ mm. through him. Mm. And that the husband should be willing to love the wife so much that even when she's not worthy of loving, that he loves her anyways. Mm. And that, by the way, that's the only time in Scripture where marriage is compared to Christ in the church. So, again, if the church is the representative of the bride, if the church is the wife, and Jesus is the husband in this comparison, does the church not submit to Jesus? Like it does, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the church submits to Christ. Why? Because Jesus loves the church. Yeah. So, the rest of it goes on, and then the rest of the scripture goes on to say, too, you know, husbands love your wives so much that um, you're presenting her holy. You're presenting her without wrinkle, without spot, without fault, you know, all those different versions. And then it says, wives are to respect your husbands. Now, the part that we forget to talk about, and I purposely like to put it last, verse 21 of Ephesians 5 says, furthermore, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Right. And that's another part that we miss. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yes, wives are to submit to their husbands, but husbands are also actually submitting to their wives. And part of the submission is submitting to the role of leadership. And leadership doesn't mean dominance, it's responsibility. Right. You know, so it's, so when the husband is loving the wife so well that the wife literally feels the love of Christ 
through him, why wouldn't the wife want to submit to right. that? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, when it says women are to respect the husbands and husbands are to love the wives, the dance becomes any wife will gladly respect a man that loves her and any husband will gladly love a woman that respects him. But that's the comparison idea. Yeah. And so when I unpack this with two of the guys who are having their, their challenges with marriage, this messed them up because they now get what does it mean to love their wife. Because our understanding of it is just, oh, it's a decision, which is true, you know, and it's a feeling. But no, it's it not only is it a decision, it's unconditional. Like, so me loving my wife is actually less about how great she is, though she is great. It's less about that and more so about my reverence for the Lord. Yeah. You know, and I'm supposed to love her so much that I'm willing to die for her. Yeah. Because Jesus was, and we weren't worthy of it. Yeah. That gives a whole different dynamic. And so when I broke that down, these two guys were just very repentant. And they're like, you've given me a lot to think about. I didn't write it. My point is, baby food. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the pupusas. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, what are you guys' thoughts? Just on that part. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean you, that was a good choice in terms of like to use a comparison verse because mm-hmm. that's not the verses I was thinking about. I really wasn't thinking about any verse, just mm-hmm. to be fair. It's all right. But, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but that was really good the way you broke it down. Yeah. Um, and then also something to consider when it's time for me to date and to pursue marriage that we, my, my future husband and I would understand that version a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And what um, is actually being said. And I think that goes back to learning how to read the word and learning how to follow the word. And if we don't know how to do that, then it's going to be hard to know how to live by it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. So it it gives – so this comparison gives a guideline for people who are married and it gives a guideline for people who are single and what to look for. You know, so like single guys, how are you living your life right now that shows people that you're loving people at all times? Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, it doesn't – this is not limited to Juby. Mm-hmm. Like, how does it look like for me to love so well that everybody feels the love of Christ through me? Right. Yeah. You know? The other one I like is when parents say um, how they should obey, like the kids should obey the parents. Oh, yeah. Um, I had that pulled on me one time, and mm. uh, little did they know I was a mini theologian. <laughs> so I responded back with, back with uh, in Deuteronomy, it says not to provoke your children. So I've been provoked. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> But, um, and I've seen a lot of marriages that lead out of the first part of that Ephesians verse. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of marriages crumble, just like a lot of parenting, um, which I hate, you know, you never want to see that happen. Yeah. Um, but not realizing like, Hey, there's more depth to it than, Hey, be respectful to your parents or Hey, you need to respect me, um, as your husband. Um, there's way more depth to it than that. That's good. That's good. So part of what you're talking about even goes into what we talked about last week, Fripp, with it's easy to talk about just one text and how do you let, how do you bring out more of what that verse is by, by connecting with the rest of it? Yeah. You know, like the verses to the left or to the right or above and below, you know, so that's great. Um, so yeah, that's number three is comparison. Um, number four are list. So anytime you encounter more than two itemized things, you can identify them as a list. Uh, perfect example Galatians 5, 22 uh, through 23, the fruit, fruit of the Spirit. spirit. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Such a good list. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, so I know for me, like, I'm a bullet point guy. Mm-hmm. 
So instead of reading it as love, joy, peace, peace, like next to one another, mm-hmm. when I read it like down, you know, from top to bottom as love, number one, um, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, when I read it down like that, it kind of sticks out a little, for me at least personally, mm-hmm. when it's just from top to bottom instead of left to right, mm-hmm. you know? It reads left to right, obviously, because it's in a book, but when you see the things are this, this, and this, pay attention to that. Because that's those. It's trying to show you, like the fruit of the spirit. Like that's that's what we want. But what are they? And we said that there's a list for it. Yeah. And guess what? On the other side, it goes on. Verse 19. The acts of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. It's the same thing. So there's a list not just on the the, the healthy side, but there's a list on the unhealthy side. Um, and when you pay attention to it, especially if you were to write it out, you can kind of see how sometimes a list on one side can cancel out the other one, or it can equip you to fight the other side of it. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So what does it look like to learn to, when we read the text, when we read a scripture, we come across it as a list, yeah. you know? And not like as a checklist per se, like, oh, do I have this or not type thing, that, to a point. Um, but looking at it as as a looking at it as a way of as a as a form of not just a guide but to um, receive basically what it is that the you know text is speaking. So that's the number four for list. Number five is cause and effect. So Proverbs fifteen one: A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So it's kind of like you do this or you do that. There's a place for that, but how could that how could that go wrong? If you just read it as a cause and effect, then you'll just think that if I don't if if I don't do this, then I'm fine. Yes. <laughs> so because that was my life for a long time. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, if I or if I do this, um, I think you have this wrong view of God. Mm-hmm. Then you, he's like the genie in the bottle. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, mm-hmm. right? yeah. If I do it just right. Mm-hmm. I'll have the right answer. If I did it wrong, that's why I'm being punished. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think he goes from father to all the other things. He mm. becomes the master, but mm-hmm. not in a good connotation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the genie. Right. Yeah. You know, right. that grants you a wish. But if you, you know, there's, what a, remember um, Aladdin? And he was like, there are a few things you can do. And yeah, so yeah. it's like, and then it's like, I, these are the provisos. And so you can't do it this way. Yeah. And that's how I was, especially like with tithing. Like, let's say I missed the tithe for, yeah. like, my paycheck. Ooh, that's why my light bill is high. No, that's not. Your light bill is high because your lights are on all day. Like, <laughs> like it's just like, that's, it's natural. You so bills. you didn't pay your bill, right, or whatever. Like, this, I just remember that was a big thing is yeah. tithing and money. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you make. If I give that $20, yes, yes. <laughs> the Lord will bless it. Girl, no, I used to write checks and be like, if I, let's say that I made like $1,100.93, I'll be like, 1110.9. Girl, God don't want them, that change. <laughs> just, just so precise. I used to sign my checks where it kind of like covered up the, um, the routing numbers. <laughs> what? <laughs> This thing might bounce, Lord. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just trying. I just need oh, them to hold off to it yeah. until Wednesday and figure out the routing oh, man. <laughs> or post date it. Like, don't cash this to the first, though. Don't, don't cash this yet. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> but those are probably the places yeah. that I know if you like this, this or that. Like, that's yeah. that's my thinking was always tithing. So it just goes to show you, like, though, that's so for example, gentle answer. 
uh, the result is turns away wrath, right? But a harsh word stirs up anger. Mm-hmm. That's true, but it's so easy to overcompensate mm-hmm. from a place of legalism, and it's also very easy um, to um, over-spiritualize it. Mm. You know, so just like you said, like, well, be on tithe, you know, or my bill, my bills, uh, my lights went out. The devil's out to get me. Yeah. No, your bills went off because you need to pay your bill, <laughs> or your lights went out. Ninety days, right? Oh, whatever. Because that's my car. No, yeah, they did it after three months. <laughs> like another way of saying it is um, action and result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that's another thing. Look for the the cause and effect. Um, number six are figures of speech. This is a very good one. Mm-hmm. So figures of speech are images in which words are used in a sense other than the normal literal sense. So like Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Mm-hmm. Like, hear me out. The Bible ain't gonna shine no light if you're in, pat- if you're in pitch black dark room. Yeah. That's because you don't have enough faith. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Right. But think about it, like it's it's the the Bible itself is not a literal flashlight. But obviously we all, we all know that when you open it and there's and there's power in it when you choose to dive into it for yeah. what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But it's a figure of speech. Like so, what other figure of speeches that you guys have maybe heard that are just uh, that people may have taken verbatim, you know, or literal. I don't know if this counts, but um, when we give humanistic characters to God, hmm. like his eyes roam to and fro and the hand of God, and, ah. and I'm like, mm, you guys do know he doesn't have hands. Yeah. He's just like this big fluff. floating. Okay. But yeah, when you give humanistic characters to okay. the spirit, to God, um, okay. does that count? Yeah, that could be a form of it. Yeah, because I was thinking like when people are like, "Oh, God is my husband." Is he? <laughs> like, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> right, right, right. All right, right, right. <laughs> or like, um, I've heard people like you I'm know like Jesus. Yes, yes. Or um, he's the bread of life, and it's like I gotta eat. I gotta eat on him today. You have to eat. What? I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Eat a lunch, this <laughs> little Jesus yeah. snack pack. Right. So I just think like there, there are just things that sometimes I think people read, and then the way that they apply it, it's like they they are being very literal, yeah. and it's like, mm, like I just think he's not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, it yeah. Needs to help but, us make sense because yes, that's it good. makes sense for me to say he's the bread of life in my humanistic understanding. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if they were to say something wild, like, it is through him that you survive. I don't know. But, you know, like, instead of making it super complicated, simple. I'm the bread of life. Okay, what does that mean? What do I need bread for? Or even it's like, hey, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Like, feet. Um, I know in dark times when, literally, I was in a room that was lit up, Mm -hmm. but I was surrounded in darkness just Mm -hmm. in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I would just open up the word of God, and it's just like, all of a sudden, I'm just like, man, I can charge hell with the water pistol right now and win, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's just there to help our simple mindset. Mm -hmm. That's good. Like, to make sense of it. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. So this is a perfect example. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed and learned something new. We're looking forward to having you join us on the next one.